0: Hey, so it's one of the editors. You're used to our voices at this point. We may or may not have jumped a little too heavy into the podcast with Mr. Cohen. Um, We got a little excited, and unfortunately, we may have started covering a couple topics before we actually started hitting record. Luckily, there's maybe about 15, 20 seconds worth of material that you weren't able to catch. Um, But unfortunately, I'm just going to kind of have to hot drop you in. So here we go.
1: The whole concept of the entire world shutting down out of this kind of, you know, existential fear of what's going to happen. It's like it was like some movie unfolding, um, especially in that first month, uh, coupled with. You know, especially as it unfolded and we and we came to realize that a lot of the restrictions were completely unnecessary and and, and a lot of them actually counterproductive and and made things worse. Um, the frustration at which the frustration with watching People who were are we already recording by the way yeah I I, I started oh, okay recording. good I no, started I just recording to make sure a while I wasn't ago. Just, you know yeah make sure we were, we're going on on and you know you're like great let's let's save it for when we're okay yeah. um so the the the, uh, <laughs> the frustration with um seeing that you know many uh governments and officials would were just saying well tough. We're doing this anyway, um, even if it was counterintuitive, even if it didn't make sense, even if it was a, a huge violation of people's rights and and was destroying people's lives and livelihoods as a result. They just did it anyway. Um, and, you know, so I think that and then I guess a third thing from that is the the um, politicization politicization of things like whether or not you want to wear a mask, whether or not you want to you know, keep your distance from people when you're indoors, whether or not you want to limit your social interactions and things like that, which had the government not gotten involved and not either mandated it or, or, you know, got involved one way or another and just left it to people's, you know, just simply provided best information that was available and left it to people to make those decisions as, you know, adults who can be trusted to make their own decisions probably would not have been as politicized. Um, but because the political class injected themselves into it that became politicized which meant that where we should have been coming together and trying to help each other and figure out the best way forward instead we were fighting each other and so i think those were contributing to a a a mental health crisis that's been growing for quite some time but it's been growing for quite some time even before this i think because we live in an age of increasing comfort and convenience or immediate physical needs and even immediate social needs, but we have less in, which is kind of forcing us to reconcile with the, the, the higher end of, of, uh, I guess that pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, for things like purpose and fulfillment. And at the same time, we are increasingly starved for real social connection. Our, our social connections are more and more social media, um, you know, podcasts. You know, texting, mm-hmm. um, which means we can reach people far more easily than we ever could. So, I you know, I can talk to my my cousin who lives on the other side of the country every day. But at the same time, it it leads to less actual interaction. direct interaction with people and and and, yes. and direct connection with people. And so, I think all those things combining are are leading people in uh, you know. The existential crisis that used to be reserved for the idle rich—I guess now you know—the the, the common man gets to have it too on an everyday basis, and and it's it's something we really need to consider. It's something I had to consider when I when I faced my existential crisis a few years ago when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and um, it's uh, it's it's sad to watch other people having to go through it and not necessarily have a blueprint for how to move forward on it.
0: And that's such a, a heavy condition there. I do apologize. It's the first I'm hearing of it there. Um, but you you touched on something there specifically, actually, that I, I'm a big fan of. Um, in this whole thing, like like you were saying, they politicize everything. The people themselves have been turned against each other. And I think that actually, yep. like you said there, that's definitely a contributing factor. Because in a point where we should be unifying against what should be a common threat, we've now been turned against each other for someone's exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent.
2: And it's one thing to have like differing opinions and, you know, because differing opinions and and debate, you know, propagates, you know, the truth eventually between between two ideas. And then you have, you know, information suppression, which would bring about the truth. And that like it it was alien to me because I'll, I'll be straight up. I was I was in jail when COVID hit. And I got in from going from that to on the street to, um, the change in people from when I went in to when I came out was cat- right. like, was crazy because like, you know, you guys were out and you, it was a little more gradual for you. For me, it was night and day. And it's like, what yeah. the hell happened to these people? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it, I, it, it was just, it was absolutely terrifying for me. Um, Because, you know, I would, you know, I saw news stories and stuff, but they didn't really convey the actual, like, insanity that was the the world when I got out. And, yeah, yeah, it's just, and the whole polarity thing with, you know, politics and social issues. And it's just, it just gets, keep getting pumped in because divide and conquer. You, You have to. Exactly. You know, have the people you want to control fighting each other rather than fighting their common enemy
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know whether whether you know ideologically or you know physically but it it relates to both and it's just i i wish i just i wish that the propaganda machines weren't as strong as they are and it's sad that more and more people are, are are not waking up to it, and as much as I love technology, I think social media is great. You know, and you know, because most of my human interaction for the past fifteen years, you know, the vast majority of it has been online with friends. They're some of my best friends. Um, So, but I'm also built a little differently in my mind because I was on house arrest for a few years as a kid, and I. You know, I kind of just developed into that and was able to build meaningful relationships without having to have the physical human interaction. But most people aren't like that. Most people didn't go through anything like severe isolationism. And, you know, I man, I just I it has messed me up over the years. I've gotten a lot better about it, but I can't imagine the whole entire populace having that isolationism and then just having to go back to, to normal. And it's, uh,
1: well, it, in fact, you actually had to learn something as a, I mean, it sounds like as a, as a teenager, right. At to yeah, deal 12, with the trauma. 12, 13, 14. Oh, wow. So as a, as an adolescent, you know, like coming into your adolescence and, and teenage years, you, that's basically trauma that was imposed on you. And I, I'm oh. not going to oh, yes. say whether no, or no. not very,
2: very you, much er- so.
1: <laughs> you you earned the house arrest or whatever, but, but regardless of whether or not you, you, yeah, I, I, for, I, I will, I will venture to say, I'm not sure that, that anyone at that age deserves that, but, but regardless of whether or not you quote unquote deserved it, it's still a trauma, right? Like any kind yes. of forcing people into that kind of isolated situation is a, is a kind of trauma. And you've learned to, to cope with it as best you can by making those online connections. But yeah, it's still, it's not how we're wired. We can rewire ourselves as necessary to cope with trauma, but it is still a coping with trauma. And and the thing is, you know, the lockdowns, especially in that first, now I lived in South Carolina, which had some of the jokiest lockdowns that we kind of ignored after uh, we really ignored from day one and they stopped even trying to enforce after a matter of a a couple weeks. But going, you know, when I was campaigning for vice president, I went to other places where it was not a joke. They were very seriously enforcing them. And it was months after there was any real reason to think those things were helping at all. I mean, and then, and looking to my, my friends in Canada uh, and loved ones in Canada, full disclosure, my, my wife is Canadian. We, prior to COVID would visit Canada often and and have many friends, family, and loved ones in Canada watching the absolute... I got to see that firsthand, not just on social media, but hearing it you know uh um mm-hmm. video calling with our friends and seeing firsthand what it was like and hearing stories of people being criminal you know going to jail mm-hmm. because their children were you know they they had to go to work and so they dropped their kids off with the grandparents and everyone got arrested for it like I mean just absolute insanity madness. and um and yeah, total madness, and the thing is that creates a trauma because for many people. You associate government with safety, even if you don't trust yet with safety, with protection, even if you don't trust them necessarily to do it, or even if you think, you know, a lot of the people in charge don't, you know, don't have your best interests at heart. You still have this vague general concept, which is really just conditioning that started before you could even form words to associate authority with safety. Mm-hmm. And so when you see firsthand, it's like, oh, wow, authority is really just power. Maybe it protects me, but maybe it doesn't. That's mm-hmm. in and of itself is a traumatic thing that coupled with the isolation, with the being told through suppression of information that you're in the wrong, you know, that contributes to a tremendous amount of trauma. Then on the other side, for those who completely bought into it and think that, uh, that you know, this is all. For the best and that these idiots are going to get us all killed if they don't start. That's a kind of trauma too, right? They're on the other side thinking, you know, I just don't, I don't want to die from this illness. I don't want my loved ones to die from this illness. And, and these people just are so wanton in their disregard for my safety and the, their own safety and the safety of others. And I have to live with these people and I have to go and and associate with these folks. And, and I don't even know if, you know, if, if, if they're being safe and what they could be exposing me and loved ones to, that's a kind of trauma as well. And, you You know, uh, uh, Kyle hit it perfectly. This is going to be so easy just calling you all Kyle. (laughs) Kyle hit it perfectly uh, when he said that this is divide and conquer. See, the the political class has to divide us. It's not just that it's the most effective way to divide us. They actually have to Mm -hmm. because otherwise... If we aren't at each other's throats constantly, if we aren't constantly living in a series of crises where we are convinced that the other half of our city, our county, our country, our, our community is to blame and the only solution to them is, is our half. Um, if we don't think that way about all things, then it would be very easy for us to take a step back and witness that the people imposing this this false binary on us. Are robbing us all blind and screwing us over you know they they pretend that they're you know dead in a in a in a, a, a mortal struggle with each other uh for for the future of the country and the reality is they're screwing us all over they're working together to screw us over it's it's a good cop bad cop routine mm-hmm. one side plays, plays plays good cop to their base and bad cop to the other base and the other side does it in reverse but the thing is about a good cop bad cop routine is they're both cops it's a scam it's a routine they're they're doing it intentionally um and i guess the last thing i'd say is if if it makes you feel any better Kyle you know you mentioned how for the rest of us it was gradual and it was kind of just like a night and day thing for you if it makes you feel any better it wasn't all that gradual for us it happened inside of a matter of at least where i was a matter of like 2 weeks or even a week and a half where we went from um You know, there's this thing that may be here and it's pretty scary, but everything should be okay. to you can't go outside unless you absolutely have to. And a story I tell is I made my first anti lockdown video in the beginning of march um right before uh they actually came here and i w- i was going to make it about a week or so earlier um right as they were starting to um it be imposed in uh in in europe in parts of europe um but i thought yeah you know what who knows if it's really going to make its way here or if it's going to blow over. But once I realized like it was definitely coming here, they were the CDC was dusting off the old uh, bird flu lockdown plan from 2005. Uh, Once I saw that was certainly going to happen in, in due time, I made an anti lockdown video saying this is coming here. Here's why it's not going to work. Uh, here's how it recreates the cold and flu uh, season um, and and actually could make the spread worse. Um, and and here's why we should pose it. And here's what we should probably be doing instead. The first comments that I got on that video were people saying, you moron, that's never gonna happen here. When I made my second anti-lockdown video after it had been imposed, probably two weeks later, maybe a week and a half, two, three weeks later, those same people were saying, you moron, you're going to kill us all. And (laughs) it was crazy how quickly people went from that would never happen here to you are, you know, we have to do this. Um, So for everyone, it happened pretty quickly. But yeah, I can imagine if you were in jail, you know, went in. And, you know, in a time when it was <laughs> nothing was good, and there were no restrictions and you come out and it's in the, the heat of it. I can I that must have seemed like a, well, a alien world.
2: Well, at the same time, I mean, nothing at F right away changed for us in there. Well, one, because they were lying to us about it. Like, I mean, we could watch the news, but they told us that everything was fine. There's, you know, no cases (laughs) even in the county and, and like, as if we weren't talking to family members and, you know, there's no cases in the jail and, and I contracted it in there and I, they wouldn't even see me because they they didn't want to admit to the health department that they had active COVID cases. Yeah. Um, and they weren't even doing, you know, um, protocols to cuz the classification there is only like 2 days um and they were still bringing in people at only 2 days and not uh quarantining them for a right, week right, right. even a week yeah. and uh
1: so things just you know it just got in there and, and they've got they you they've got you in close quarters using common facilities like it's basically it's a covid factory
0: it's a breeding oh, yeah. facility for it oh, yeah. there's no way to get around
2: it And it's a respiratory illness and all the ventilation is connected. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, That as well. Yeah. 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 I, I, and a, a a reason that this happens is this is a necessary feature of the politicization politicization or politicization. I probably need to figure out how that's said. I
2: I can't believe you don't. I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: Right, I, I've written it out a thousand times Let me, let me look at it, I, I, I'm going to solve this In real time right now, because I know how to spell it I'm fairly certain it's politicization A politicization Yeah, okay, there we go, like I can literally spell it I just never actually said it <laughs> um, It's like so me so trying to say rural with Yes. R- no. Yeah, see, rural. I'm one of the few that can say rural. Most yeah, it's, people, it's like it's rural. It's Rural, but I say rural. I say rural, but like <laughs> I sound like a dumb. Can you rural? spell rural? Are <laughs> <laughs> you um, So the the thing with the politicization, if you will, of 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 an of an issue, is that instead of now this being a difference of opinion and people seeking to find the solution to something by trying different ideas and basically testing sort of like applying the scientific method to it putting up a hypothesis testing the hypothesis and then making adjustments based on the results of of the testing that you did if instead now it's a political thing now it's been democratized now there has to be a winner which means there has to be a loser which means that now if you're wrong you have to hide it so instead of the prison saying uh-oh this could be a problem we better fix it they go no 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 this could affect our funding. This could lead to people calling for reforms in our system. So we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. And that's why governments often do this for the same reason that they, they politicize things is because it's now about winners and losers, as opposed to all of us being a winner by figuring them out the problem. Um, it's not healthy competition. It's unhealthy competition. And so this is why libertarians believe that we really should leave the political class out of things when, Never possible because organizing people in that way has is uniquely a bad way, usually the worst way to do things. Um, and COVID is a perfect example of that. We have information, so I'm just going to put it out there. From what I have read and from what I've seen. My understanding about the use of cloth masks specifically Hmm. is that they have little to no effect on preventing or or, um, reducing individual case by case spread. Um, Maybe there's a small Uh, reduction because if you're sneezing and coughing into a mask it might reduce some of it but especially once it's airborne which covid clearly is it really has no effect even on an individual basis and because every time you interact with someone that's another rolling of the dice it has basically no effect on on the spread and that's that bears out in in the the results between the differences between states or countries that have had mask Uh, mandates and and ones that have not
0: as sure. soon as they rolled out these mask mandates, it's the first thing that went through my head. There's no way this is actually going to be effective in stopping this. Right. If this is a real thing, I'm going to need to be yeah. concerned. I worked at a grain factory, yes. lots of mm. tiny, tiny microscopic dust. I had a dual canistered N95 respirator, full face yes. field, the whole nines. I wore that mm-hmm. out for the first week. Government made it sound like it was a legitimate threat, so I wore it. And everybody thought I was crazy. I was like, you're the ones that are crazy. (laughs) If this is as serious as this is, you're the ones that are at risk. I'm the only one that's going to make it through this if this is a thing. And then nothing fucking happened. Pardon my language. but Exactly.
1: No, no, but you're you're 100% correct. And the thing is, and that was actually the next thing I was going to say was about N95s. Mm -hmm. There are masks, which if you wear them, do greatly reduce on an, on a case by case individual basis the the likelihood of spread and if you're you know your respi- respiration system is healthy enough that you can deal with the additional uh, burden of having to breathe through an N95 and things like that um, then then you know there's probably a reduction there but again Every interaction you have is another rolling of the dice. Mm -hmm. So the ability for it to stop community spread goes down, might still be effective, but it goes down. Mm -hmm. Now, what if the government had given us that information and said, now, take with that and do with it as you wish. What you would see is some people would wear masks, some people wouldn't wear masks, some people would wear cloth masks, some people would wear N95 masks, some people would just keep their distance from people, some people would just limit their indoor activities, some people would say, "Hey, you know what? I'm healthy. I'm I I you know, I'll just limit my interactions with loved ones who are immunocompromised or elderly or whatever." People would figure it out, right? And and more importantly, if I if if person A sees person B wearing a mask they don't go oh what a libtard or if person b sees person a not wearing a mask they don't think oh my god this you know this right-wing radical is going to kill us all because it hasn't been politicized it's people just making a decision it's similar to um uh you know if you look over and you see um i'm trying to come up with an example If, if you look over and you see someone who is riding a motorcycle and they're not wearing um they're not wearing like uh the the leather gear um that you know is is best for either leather or uh, I'm trying gear. to remember the material
2: yeah, it's yeah le- it's leather.
1: It's leather yeah yeah well usually it's leather and I know now like the 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 there's, racers will use a lighter there's, version there's but a lighter material
2: they'll even use yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Kydex. there's some, um, some leather composites and stuff but basically just armor yeah Right. So if you see someone not wearing that, you don't go, oh, my God, what a risk to the public. I can't because it hasn't been politicized. It's something that people know is the best way. You know, people that know about motorcycle safety know is the safest way to do it. And they can either do it or not do it. Right. So this is, you know, and there are I'm sure many other examples of that where if you let people make their own decisions, then you don't turn people into enemies they just disagree someone might look at that guy and go oh, look at that moron he's going to really hurt uh, um, cave himself scuff himself up if he gets in an accident but they're not going to like hate that person right We're, so we have,
0: it's we have the best example Prior to COVID, we saw people wearing masks all the time, and it wasn't a politicized yes. debate. You didn't look at them going, oh, yes. he's risking everybody around us. What does he have? He should be at home. I'm going to die. You're not going to look at somebody right. who slightly <laughs> sneezes and is like, oh, my God, he's spreading infection. We're all going to die. Put him in jail. Oh, like man, it's, yeah. it's not a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, We had regular exactly. life, and it's where we yeah. should be now, and it's, it's probably going to take a long time, probably a generation or two to break that if we're even able to. But.
2: Well, the next generation—I mean, the that's being raised now—is being raised with all that fear instilled in them. Well, that's and what I'm saying. That's 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 the problem. I I, I'm telling you, Rome's going to fall before that oh. all is over with. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm
0: glad you touched on that. Uh, Spike, is it cool if I call you Spike? I don't want to be. Well, yes, that's my name. Well, I know, but Mr. You can call me.
1: You can. Oh, no, don't call me Mr. Cohen. No, that's uh, Mr. Cohen's my dad. In fact, hey, he would he would tell you to call him. Actually, pardon. I I, I can
2: only refer him. to you as the bazooka Jew. So, oh, OK, yeah, that's
1: actually my aunt. that's my <laughs> legal name is bazooka Jew. But I'll, if I'll you probably, want to call me Spike, that's. I'll one. probably
0: go with Spike. In my defense, I went seven years through the okay. equivalent of JROTC up here. So there are some habits that just
1: refuse to die. But um, no, pro- that's no, I get it, man. That's fine. But yeah, no, call me Spike. please. All right, I'll go with Spike. He touched on something there. Or i order you been, i order you to call me spy I'll, I'll go
0: <laughs> along i'll, I'll continue. um so it's he touched on it that rome is about to fall now this is something i've been saying in a lot of our podcasts this is a topic i really like when's the last time that and you know where i'm going when's the last time that we saw everything become blurred roles vanished people could do anything government started to tighten down the grip but the people started to fear it and started to fight back even when's the last time we had something like this
1: well, I, I obviously Rome is a is a good example. Another example was that they had been. Uh Exploiting the barbarians for quite some time, oh, yeah. thinking that they were—they certainly were never going to, uh, you know, invade and and hold a, hold us to account for what we've been doing to them. They're just these stupid barbarians, and we have we have our superior Roman phalanx troops, so that, that we have no uh-huh. no no uh, no no reason to, to feel threatened by them. And, and, uh, and what happens? By uh, the
0: barbs. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And they get freaking wiped out, right? And so and 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 you know they they there's that whole um, and it's, it's not the cleanest model, but it's certainly something you can look at the whole, uh, you know, uh, 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 weak people create tough times, tough times, Mm. create strong people, strong people create good times and things like that. Mm. You know, the more comfortable people are, the more, um, the, the more likely they are to, and it's, to me, it's less about a, a weakness, although that's an aspect of it. It's a complete decoupling from under, from, trying to be functional yeah and complacency so like, it's a complacency it's a um it's a a kind of and it's a kind of nihilism that happens as well mm-hmm. well what's the whole point of it right like we're so focused when humanity is primarily focused on survival and and um and uh, um so it's survival of the species so surviving um and reproducing and and you know doing their best to to create as good of a future and you create such a good future that people are comfortable now it gives them time to sit there and kind of navel gaze and unless you know for a lot of people if they don't then use that as an opportunity to figure out, well, what is my greater purpose? How can I continue to serve uh, myself and others? Uh, It lends itself to just saying, well, none of this matters. And you you kind of fall into this, uh, this weird, it's a type of nihilism. and, and, And that's when, you know, and When I say morality, I mean things like I mean basic morality, like you shouldn't hurt people, you shouldn't harm people, you shouldn't kill people, you shouldn't take from people, you shouldn't steal, and things like that. Mm-hmm. That gets blurred. Well, if nothing matters, uh, then why shouldn't I do that? You know, and so you end up with this sort of egoism as well, and um, all of those things are society destroying thoughts and behaviors. Um, even if the only if, if it's if the only way it manifests itself in a given person is that they just don't do anything with their lives, then that's society destroying. That's one less person that could have been helpful to others. Mm-hmm. And obviously it can become a lot more malignant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just it just spreads from there. Like it's it's a if a lack of a better term, it's almost a disease.
1: And, and, and yeah, in, in many ways, if you look at us as if you look at humanity as an organism, it absolutely is a disease. Mm-hmm. I again, I went through this. Um, A little bit of background about me. I was a drug addict for the better part of 10 years. Um, I got clean in 2006. But what I didn't realize was, thank you, I appreciate that. But what I didn't realize was I was still an addict. I was just an addict in search of a thing to be addicted to. Mm -hmm. And so my next uh, uh, addiction was success, which I convinced myself was just me being an alpha type, you know, wizard at, 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 at being successful. And I, I was able to, to create and, uh, and, and uh, grow and maintain many successful, uh, organizations. And I, I became very financially successful. Uh, and on paper, everything looked great. I was, you know, fairly, I'm not a billionaire or anything like that, but I'm, I was, you know, I'm fairly financially secure, uh, got all these successful ventures, uh, beautiful, loving wife, great family system and everything else. And I'm sober and, you know, everything looked great on paper, but I was absolutely miserable. And there reason why was because I was just living in a new addiction with no real purpose other than just money, 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 money. Mm -hmm. And I became increasingly, um, like just black pilled to the world. I, uh, increasingly, I wouldn't say I was ever suicidal, but I certainly would think, man, you know, if I, you know, if I wasn't here, would it even matter Mm -hmm. uh, other than just, you know, Someone wouldn't be making money in their little corner or whatever. And then when when I started uh, dealing with the symptoms of MS and then about a year uh, two years later being diagnosed, that forced me to really look at, like, what am I even doing here? And it actually it wasn't the MS itself that did that It was when my doctor sat me down to talk about my treatment options. And uh, the doctor said, you know, that the goal of our uh, of, of your MS treatment is to try to slow down the progression of your MS so that it's not really much different than the typical aging process. That was supposed to make me feel better. What I heard is it doesn't matter if you have MS. It doesn't matter if you're the healthiest person on Earth or the least healthy person on Earth. You're going to die. And before you die, you're going to decline. So here you have been worried about whether or not you have MS for about two years now. None of that actually matters because one day you're not (laughs) going to be here. And even before that, you're going to decline. And we're just going to try to slow that decline as much as possible. That forced me to realize that 100 years from now, none of us are going to be here. 50 years from now, many of us aren't going to be here. Mm -hmm. All that will have mattered is what we actually did. Mm -hmm. Will it have been a good thing that we were here? A bad thing that we were here will it even matter that we were here. And that forced me to go on a journey to seek actually deconstructing who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And it was a, it was not an easy process. Um, but I am, eternally grateful that I did it because I'm now living the most, not only am I healthier than I ever was before I had MS, um, physically and mentally, but I also have fulfillment. I have an actual purpose in my life. And, you know, it took me a long time to say it, but MS is one of the best things to ever happen to me, oddly <laughs> enough. But it was because it forced me to do a thing that most people have not done.
0: Definitely. One, well, there's a word you said there, fulfillment. That what is what a lot of people are missing in their life. Um, Like you said, a lot of people are just chasing something. They're running through the motions, no actual sense of fulfillment. Like even myself, I've fallen into that trap. There's a lot of stuff that I've done through my life where, you know, I convince myself that this is what I want to do. This is the best bet, but you still feel miserable. You feel empty. It feels like you're just going through the motions, like you're just propelling a husk through life. And finding... You know, going through that kind of a a spiritual or a mental journey to to break that down and actually get to that point and realize it is, like you said, it's it's liberating. It's it's fantastic. It's it's a freedom and fulfillment that you didn't know was possible.
1: Hey, we're gonna go ahead. ahead.
2: Finish your thought, please, quick.
1: Sure. So the only thing I was going to say is, it is, you know, one of the most. In, uh, manifestly fulfilling things that you can do in your life. It also requires you to do something scary. And that's to realize that that in any given moment, no matter how young you are, no matter how healthy you are, or no matter how how much longer you have left, the difference between you and a hospice patient is that that hospice patient's expected life expectancy is uh, is measured in days and weeks, whereas yours is measured in months and years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a very, your life is a, Incredibly finite, completely irreplaceable, and as far as we know, irre, irre ir- Man, I'm just making up uh, words that I can't tricky, uh, pronounce. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 irreplicable, if there that is a word, I it's something it's- that can't be replicated. You know, e- even if reincarnation is a thing, it's a new one. It's a whole new life, and you're not even aware of the the past one that you had. So you have this this very increasingly it's, it's more precious than anything else. It cannot be uh, reclaimed once you've lost it. Uh, it is irreplaceable. And the odds of us even being able to experience it are trillions to one. And, you know, what, the sooner we get out of our I'll always be here, uh, coping zombie haze that we put ourselves in to to try to deal with what could otherwise be a crushing existential realization. If instead we embrace that realization, that allows us to to, to focus on being fulfilling in the time we have now, and instead of seeing it as this you know looming horrific thing that's going to happen, instead we see the life that we do have and the moment that we do live in as this incredible thing that we should be so grateful for, and then we feel empowered and and feel a necessity to demonstrate that great, gratefulness in the way that we treat ourselves and others. And and like I said, it, it, it was the most, once I got over the sting of it, that it, it is the most powerful thing to ever happen to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, just the one final thought there. I know you were trying to move on there, Kyle, but the one final thought. No,
2: I, no, I, no, I wasn't trying to move on, I've but okay. good.
0: That that same note there, It's it's a quote that I used to say to myself. I heard it at one point, I must have, but it, we're all going to die one day. We might as well enjoy the trip. Like it's it's yes. dark, but it's just the simplest way to put it there.
1: hundred percent true, hundred percent true. Um, what were you? What uh, were okay. you thinking? It, uh, give me thirty seconds
2: because I just I didn't do a sound check earlier and I need to double check. Just just need to make sure yeah no worries okay no folks worries.
1: well while Kyle is uh, working on that I'd like to tell you about my organization You Are The Power I know what you're thinking Spike I like everything you have to say and I love the liberty movement but I don't know how I can help others how can I do that well folks I have some fantastic news for you We have an organization called You Are The Power which empowers individual people to grow a lar- join a large and growing network of liberty minded activists and community leaders to find people and organizations and causes that need help in their community, teach them the best practices to be able to help others, and then empower them to work together to do exactly that. Not only are we growing the Liberty Movement, but we're helping people now. And if you'd like to join us, you can go to youarethepower.net to sign up today. Membership is free, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. You're now, gonna hate me,
2: but you're gonna have to do that whole spiel over again because I had to stop recording. To I have it recorded.
0: The- I have it here. Okay. All right, now, all right. On that same on that same note, I'm a Canadian. Is I'm this gonna, open? I'm gonna
2: start recording mine again real quick. Okay. okay.
0: Okay. I'm a Canadian. Is this open only to American citizens? Or is this too- no, uh,
1: you know, you are the power is a, uh, a nonprofit that can uh, work with people across the country. We are uh, now to be in another To You can do one of two things. You can either help us with the work we're doing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we have people that are actually creating chapters of you are the power uh, in their uh, home countries. And um, we, they're certainly welcome to do that. We can share our uh, uh, it's basically a licensing agreement, for, for lack of a better word, from yeah. from a legal standpoint. But basically we share share our branding, our ethos, our, our, our way of doing things and, uh, and invite them to partner with us and to, uh, to, you know, learn our ways and, and spread it across the planet. So whether you want to be involved in, and be helping us with the stuff we're doing in the U S or whether you want to, uh, expand it and, and export it out to your home country, uh, you are certainly welcome to do so. We, we would love to uh, work with you on that.
0: Now I got I have another question for you. For some of the folks that might be in countries that are um in, shall we say, rough times where they don't exactly mm-hmm. have access to international banking? If they were interested in supporting such a movement, how would they go about it?
1: So you're saying I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Like like are you saying to embargoed
0: to- countries like blacklisted countries financially right now say <clears throat> Russia, if they wanted to commit to something like that, how could they contribute?
1: Well, I guess the, the the legal way that they could do that is uh, if they wanted to mirror what we are doing. I've, it's it's an interesting question because I'm not 100% sure if we're allowed to work with nonprofits in those in those and countries or or if that's, that's something. Why. Yeah, that's yeah. why I bring it up. Kind of yeah, get so the it, uh, going. Uh, let's let's go ahead and, and err on the side of caution and assume that we can't. Uh, mm-hmm. If a <laughs> an organization, if if a uh, a person in an embargoed country uh, wanted to emulate what we're doing, we're pretty open source about how we do stuff. We we aren't I- in secret about how we do things. They could simply, uh, and, and they 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 wouldn't have to use our branding, and uh, they certainly could use their own. But they could basically just do what we're doing uh, in their home country, and if they wanted to emulate very closely the the um the brass tacks of how we do stuff they're certainly welcome to do so obviously it sounds like we wouldn't be able to directly coordinate with them or at least not while the various sanctions and embargoes and things are in place um but uh but in the meantime they certainly can do those things and and you know become the the equivalent of a or the power in their in their community or their home country
0: perfect Figured I'd uh, uh, um, try and get as much, in tr- much info as I could for our fine listeners here.
2: Of course. Yeah, so, so, uh yeah. Just full disclosure with me, Spike. I, uh, I was a struggling addict for about. Uh, I'd say I got onto addictive substances in 2010, um, and didn't uh, didn't come out of that until what 2019, uh, I believe, was my last use of heroin. Um yeah, it's my last use of illicit substances 2019.
1: Uh and that's uh, great, man. So, I'm, so four years now? Or coming up on four years?
2: Uh November 16th. So I can't do math right now. Um yes, so, coming, so it'll, that, it'll be yeah. it'll be four years in November. That's incredible, um, man. I <laughs> Congratulations again. Thank you. Um yeah, and the thing is it's uh I was very touched to, for you to you know share your story about that on on social media the other day because I mean it's very hard for people you know, who have a little bit of you know fame or notoriety to to discuss things like that unless that's what they're you know famous or have notoriety right. for
1: right right right
2: and uh, so yeah I just I just want to say thank you for you know posting about that and and um, yeah I I I, uh, <clears throat> I helped well, I started the, uh, our, our council of Kyle, uh, emergency support group years ago. Yeah. Um, cause we're kind of, you know, we're kind of like a troll group you know, we were in the beginning, especially <laughs> we, we, you know, we just trolled the shit out of each other. So I wanted a yeah. place that we could go that, you know, there was no judgment, you know, and, and there's, you know, no sharing outs, you know, kind of like an NA group Like you're not supposed to talk about other people's yeah. stuff. So usually I, Kyle's anonymous. Yeah, basically. Just yeah. About, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> And I will say that I got when I last got out of jail, um, I got heavy into rebuilding it. And through that has been like that has been one of the best things for me, because, you know, even though at points in time, I focused on it a little, you know, too much in an unhealthy way, kind of, you know, in an addictive way, yep, uh, I, Yeah, addictive much, way, yeah. Yeah, much rather be doing that, um, than, than heroin. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: but, uh, no, that- you go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's absolutely. first of all, congratulations on your, on your continued sobriety. Um, I will tell you as someone who's a, a little bit further along in it. I have found it gets better, it gets easier every day, week, month. I'm sure you're experiencing that as well. It it gets easier every day, week, month, and year. Um, There can be times when it it becomes less easy, but just if you look at it like just an overall, you know, year over year chart, it it just gets, it 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 does get easier over time. Um, You touched on something important there, and uh, you found fulfillment. And you found, you found and pers- actually created purpose, um, and are helping others as well. Um, you are, the, the biblical term is, uh, what's the term there? Uh, God giving back the years that the locusts ate away. Uh, I guess a secular way of, of, uh, saying that is reclaiming your, um, reclaiming the, the trauma that's happened to you to be able to help others through that experience. Um, but as you touched on, whenever we do something, those of us who have an addictive personality, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with it. You can learn to harness an addictive or obsessive personality to accomplish things that just about no one else could. Like it's its that ability to singularly focus with dogged determination, uh, a goal or a, a cause or a purpose or a venture that allows us to be so successful. At the same time, there needs to be a balance in all things. So if... And, and the easiest line to draw is if at any point you find yourself, you know, losing other important parts of your life, losing out or you feeling a, a feeling of losing yourself in that process, that's a good determining factor to that. That's a good sign or, or a red flag that you may need to, you know, pull back a little bit. And, 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 and I'm not saying you specifically, I'm saying all, I, oh, well, it's true one. for me, but <laughs> yeah, well, but, and I'm saying for, for all of them, I'm speaking to myself as well, that, that this is a clue for one to maybe pull back a little, Find a little bit of context. I have to do it a lot. You know, I, I'm in all sorts of stuff. You are the power, public speaking. You know, content creation. My my personal life. You know, my 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 loved ones, my wife, and all of that stuff. Oh, um, Your coordinator made make pretty sure. clear
2: that you're in a lot of things.
1: <laughs> I'm, I am in and of many things and what's important to me and what I'm certainly, it's an ever evolving practice. I'm certainly no expert at it, um, is to make sure that I'm seeking balance. Am I, and, and, and there are some good things we can point to. Are you suddenly, you know, are you not eating right? Are you not getting enough sleep? Are you finding that your, your, um, your just overall mind state is declining? Are you, you know, Are you having loved ones, close loved ones complain that they're having a hard time, you know, staying in touch with you or connecting with you or they haven't heard from you? You know, these are the kinds of things that you can look at and go, "Eh, I think I might be going into this a little bit too much. It, it is an ever, you know, it's it's part of that, you know, uh, it, it, it is every gift that a person has also has a burden with it, right? There's no solutions, only trade-offs. And so the gift we have is that we have this ability to really focus in on something we care about and to actually derive um, dopamine from it, to actually mm-hmm. derive the 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 feel-good brain chemicals behind actually like... Striving for something, which many people don't have. Many people strive with the, these are the nine to five workers. They, they, they do the thing they have to do so they can go and enjoy something. And we are actually wired in a way that we can enjoy doing the thing. And that allows us to be like wildly successful, but it also can lead to us treating it the same way we would treat cocaine or heroin or, or, uh, you know, opioids or something like that. Exactly. And so we have to be very careful that we don't become, you know, a, a slave or a, a servant to our own success or just a victim of our own success. So it's, you know, it's, it's something you'll, you'll, we all get better at it over time. But, uh, I, like you said, some addictions are, are healthier than others. If your addiction is towards, you know, growing a support network for people in need, then that's obviously a, a much, uh, a, a less unhealthy addiction than others, but that can also allow you to, fall far more prey to the addiction as I did with my success. I I allowed that to make me way more miserable than I would have ever let drugs make me. And it was because I was convinced I was not only an addiction, I was convinced that it was an addiction. It was a good thing and I should be doing more of it. So anyway, something to think about.
2: Yeah. And I, um, you know, over the past i'd say six months uh, a lot more of our our admin team has has joined in to help actively and so because like i you know i my we have a phone number list mine's first on there i don't care what time it is if you're having a severe mental health crisis and you know you're about to hurt yourself you call me i don't care what time it is i make that very clear yeah um and if I don't answer, you call the next number. <laughs> and, and and like I tell you know, I tell people so, I'm like someone's you know, going
1: to reach you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And and just you know, try to get them to even focus on reaching somebody because then the thoughts of you know why they're calling start kind of going away. They're like, damn, I gotta get a hold of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like and and, yeah. and 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 it's you know, it's worked out great. And um I, I'm that's so, great. I'm, Thank yeah, you I'm yourself. so, I'm so happy that, that, that more of, you know, our friends, our other Kyles have stepped up and it, it's the one thing with it. Well, like we have a lot of drama and stuff. It is the one thing that has been like sanctimonious, like if that's the word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sanctimonious. Um, hey. yeah, well, yeah. we're just not going to pull out
1: sit, Webster's sit over here. Sacred.
2: uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd probably be better. All right, all right. (laughs) Sacred, full. Yeah, is is probably better. (laughs) Yes, I'm thinking sacred. Sacred. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Irreplicable. That was the. That was. You can use that word. It's not the right word to use, but it's a word I came up with, which I'm not sure is real. (laughs) So you can use that. Dude, didn't I say that at some point today? Irreplicable. Irrep. Irreplicable. Irreplicable. (laughs) (laughs) it means all right. whatever you wanted to me
2: exactly um it's a real word uh uh my my fiance it? says yeah so. Irrepl- well which which word is is Ir- irrecl- irreplaceable yeah Irre- oh it, it's a real word sanctimonious mm- Please tell me. Sanctimonious, sanctimonious is, is a word, sanctimonious but it's
1: is not the definition. Yeah, think but it was. wasn't what you meant. It it means like trying to act See, I, I, I'm actually
2: I'm actually normally pretty good at that. All right, at at at, at, at definitions and properly using words, but uh,
1: but yeah, yeah um,
0: I think sanctimonious would be more of a heresy. So I, I think you'd probably want to try and steer clear of it.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. And we are irretraceable. Ir- 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 hey. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Now, okay. <laughs> since we're kind of circling here, I do want to, I want to thank again for you actually coming out. Like this is, this is tremendous. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, especially being as open as you are. It's, uh, it's, it's refreshing. It's nice to see. Um, For those who aren't aware, do you want to give a little bit of, uh of your kind of current political background and kind of where you've, where you've been and what you're standing is.
1: Oh, sure. So, um, I guess for those, for those who don't know, I was the libertarian vice presidential candidate, uh, in, uh, 2020. Um, and we came in third. So I am, I like to call myself the vice presidential bronze medalist. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, there was no podium. I have still not received my medal. I do feel somewhat ripped off, but it is what it is. I certainly don't want to be a burden on the taxpayers, but I uh, I would like a nice bronze medal or even just something plated, but whatever. A little I might plaque just or something. No, just- a little plaque or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm that guy in the meme, you know, where it's like the guy's celebrating and kissing his wife and just pouring chewing champagne on, on himself, and, and then stuff, you zoom yeah. back, and he's in the yeah chewing on his medal. That's me. That's me. But I couldn't chew on my medal because it's actually a chocolate. It's uh, wrapped in uh, a thing. So, um, but yeah, so that was was, uh, I, uh, I, I did that, but, but my background is, uh, I started, um, my first small business in my teens. It was right before I turned 17. And, um, I did that for the better part of gosh, 20 years and, uh, um, almost 20 years. And, uh, when I was diagnosed with MS, I, uh, I decided to uh, part from that and get into, uh, what truly I felt like was my purpose, which was to, um, to spread the Liberty message. Uh, I had been a libertarian for quite some time, uh, but I had always, you know, I never thought that I always thought that that wasn't where I should be. And then realized that that was where I should be. And so that started with me starting a podcast, uh, because, um, believe it or not, at the time, there weren't a lot of libertarian podcasts. Now there's a lot of them, (laughs) but, um, Uh, even there, there were at the time, but it wasn't quite the level of saturation that we had at the time, but I I started one and it got fairly successful and a lot of people really liked it. And people encouraged me to run for the vice presidential nomination in 2020. I did it kind of on a lark, uh, did not think I was going to get it. Just figured I could use it as an opportunity to give my thoughts about some of the, the deficits in the strategy and messaging that the Liberty movement and the Libertarian party had. And uh, apparently I sold it well, cause they, they picked me and uh, to be the nominee. And so, um, so again. on the strength of that, I, what's that?
0: Congratulations again.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, so after that, I, I realized that a lot of work needed to be done in the cultural sphere of Before we're really going to be able to see the political gains that we want. And I think for far too long, the liberty movement, oddly enough, even though we kind of hate politics, we primarily focus on electoral politics as our preferred vehicle for trying to implement change, despite the fact that outside of the local level, we rarely, if ever, win. And so in doing, in making that our primary focus, not only do we frustrate our, our membership and our activists and our candidates uh, by kind of sending them on these, uh, you know, regular tilts at the windmill that we know we're not going to accomplish. Not only do we, you know, leave people finger pointing at each other, who's to blame for the fact that we're not winning and just create a lot of, um, a, a lot of bad will within the movement. Not only do we push away a lot of, uh, like-minded liberty minded libertarian people who would otherwise join us, but aren't going to join us on that, you know, uh, um, that pipe dream of a quest, but we also reinforce the narrative about us, that it's pointless to even listen to what we have to say because we can't win anyway. And so uh, basically after the campaign ended, I went to figure out where it was we could fit in to do that. And what I settled on was that there are people right now who are in need and we have solutions to those problems. And we know how to organize people to get those problems solved. We just need to do it. So uh, last year I started uh, my nonprofit, You Were the Power, and that's exactly what we do. We uh, find people who are in need. We... Uh, get uh, people together who are like-minded in, in solving problems. We educate them on best practices for how to do it. We create a network both within our membership and with uh, common cause, single issue organization coalitions that we build with other groups. We organize to uh, help those and, and alleviate those problems and help the people that, that are in need of help. And we use that as an opening discussion with the public uh, and with our network uh, about how voluntary solutions are uh, the best way to to solve the problems that we face, and that most of the problems we're facing are as a direct result of too much power being in the hands of too few people, and that the solution to that is to take the power back and to solve them ourselves. That's what we do. And I, I i love I love that whole. <laughs> I I actually like.
2: I I knew some of that, but I didn't know the the mission of You Are the Power and and all that. I actually didn't know as much as I know about you. I I didn't look into that as much, and I I mean that's. That's great. And I, and I've always believed that like kind of the same thing, like you have to, the LP and I'm not libertarian. Um, I'll say that, um, just because of the kind of like political, politi- politicization, Jesus Christ, politics, I, Politize- Politicization. Politicization. <laughs> um, you know within the LP you know like it, what you guys recently had like the split with like the Mises caucus and and all that like that was going on and and you know if if the LP can't even remain you know unified within its small numbers how on a national stage is it going to have any viability you know as the people who are well you know running the country but You know, trying to limit government when the people, you know, the the party can't even agree on what exactly that means and have differences of opinion.
1: Exactly. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up. This is a manifestation of what's going on in the movement. So. Uh, the Mises caucus and and the fact that they've taken over the party, that's just the newest uh, the newest iteration of a of a 50 year, I guess, 51 years now that the, the LP has existed. A 50 year um, uh, um, history of of constant turnover of who's in charge. Um, and, and the reason for that is because you'll have this group that's in, and usually it falls between two main camps, uh, the so-called pragmatics. Or, uh, or pragmatists and then the so-called radicals and the pragmatists tend to say the problem is we aren't electable enough and we aren't reaching people we aren't reaching enough people and our, our message is too uh is too scary and we need to water it down a little bit and i'm I'm kind of you know um distilling what they say and then the the radicals which the mises caucus are kind of the newest version of the radicals the radicals say no the problem is we are being too milk toast, and we aren't being bold enough in our message and if these idiots out there can't don't get it, then screw them. And the thing is, they're kind of both uniquely wrong in their own special way. The pragmatists are right that we need to be focusing on, uh, you know, incremental changes that we can implement, and on finding electable people and and professional people to to build our message around. But the thing is, no one likes milk toast. That's not people don't vote for milk toast. People don't aren't inspired by milk toast. And if they think that you have very little likelihood of winning, and You're not much of a difference from the status quo. Then what the hell are they going to vote for you for? But then the radicals are, they're right that, you know, we need to be bold in our messaging. And that's how you reach people. And that's how you bring people into the movement. But you have to be welcoming. You have to realize that people are going to need to know how the roads are going to work in a libertarian society or, you know, how public safety is going to work or, you know, why we don't, you know, believe government should be involved in things that they've been told their entire lives that government is necessary to be a part of education healthcare, public safety and these things you know we need to be able to have mess answers for that but we have to be approachable in doing so we can't just call them idiots over and over because then they don't care what our message is because they hate us anyway so
0: well my thing
1: is that but sorry go ahead go go ahead
0: ahead. no please go ahead
1: so i was going to say the the reason that this constant infighting happens is because someone has to be for to blame for why we're why we're not winning what I say is it's actually not really either of those things. It's the fact that our focus is in the wrong place. We need to be focusing on bringing people into the movement and helping people. And that's what I'm doing with You Are The Power. Now, to be clear, You Are The Power is a nonpartisan organization. We are libertarians, small L. We are not uh, you know, directly <laughs> affiliated with the Libertarian Party. We have uh, members of our uh, volunteer leadership uh, team who are libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, people that are not politically affiliated affiliated, non-voting anarchists, people that, you know, don't even know necessarily where they fit in, but they know that they want to make changes in their community and that they, they, they align hundred percent with everything that we're saying. So they're libertarians who don't know it yet, basically. And, um, (laughs) and the thing is, you know, if there are, and we do not get directly involved in campaigns or elections or anything like that, because a, because legally we can't, but B because it's not really the right, it's not what our wheelhouse is. Our wheelhouse is in helping people and using that opportunity to help people, to show them not only do our ways work, but also to show them how much more power they have than they ever thought they did. A lot of people hate politics because they feel powerless. They feel like it is this growing monolith that they are powerless to do anything to stop, and they just have to shrug their shoulders and deal with it. And what we can show them is that when we work together, there's far more that we can do and that they can do as individuals than they ever thought possible. And that, that's what You Are The Power is about. That's why it's called You Are The Power.
0: I like it. Or
2: dog, you had something to say? Uh,
0: I did. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Hold on. Bear with me. Um, okay, so now I'm uh, coming from Canada, which is like borderline socialist state. Um, <laughs> how would stuff like, and, and this is going to sound incredibly ignorant of me, and it, please apologize. Or I will apologize. Please forgive. I didn't actually yeah, go no. and look a lot into it because I wanted to get answers from well somebody knowledgeable um,
1: mm-hmm. Hey.
0: So, for, well, don't take me wrong. You are a source <laughs> of knowledge, but I mean,
1: we do have Mr. Spike Cohen Someone here. else knowledge. Someone don't, else who's not... Someone not named Kyle yeah, who's don't, knowledgeable. Don't get me yeah, wrong, brother. Little, brother,
2: little L. Okay, okay. We yeah. have little L on the podcast,
1: so yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, <laughs> don't get me wrong, brother. I value
2: your opinion and you have a I, wealth I know. of knowledge, I'm but we have giving Mr.
1: You Spike
0: Cohen. So, I mean, on, <laughs> I gotta...
1: He didn't <laughs> want his pro-Kyle bias to factor in, so he's bringing in a non-Kyle <laughs> to explain <laughs> it. Perfect. So,
0: yeah. So, how example like road works so let's say yeah. um there's a section of road um let's say we've got two examples one section of road near a government office and one section of road that's kind mm-hmm. of in a rural area just wherever if they needed mm-hmm. road work how would that be taken care of
1: out so if, if government wasn't managing it how would that be taken care of
0: yeah or okay so, okay, so around so- sorry i guess go ahead go
1: ahead so first, we have to get down to first principles here, uh, because that question is asked from the standpoint of roads still being this um, this kind of owned in common for lack of a better word entity um, and so then the question becomes like you said well okay proximity to a thing where is it now for some smaller communities that might be sufficient it might be that you know if you're in a in a you know a subdivision or neighborhood and there's a section of road in your you know you know directly in front of you that you know the people closest in proximity to it would be responsible for it or that you'd say well you know we're in this subdivision together so we've already voluntarily agreed that all of this road is owned Owned in common by our our you know master deed group or our HOA or whatever whatever it's called I think they're called uh, uh, condo or home associations in Canada but you know um, you know a, a type of com but a voluntary common ownership and and we're all financially responsible for that. Um, another way that something bigger like an interstate system would work is there are multi-billion-dollar corporations who have to have a functioning uh, structure in place to be able to serve our needs, right? Right. They mm-hmm. have to be able to deliver stuff to us. They have to be able to get their, uh, you know, their workers out to work on their infrastructure. If they're a cable company, they have to, uh, you know, if they own airports and, and malls and things like that, they need people to get to be able to get to them. Mm-hmm. And so you could have a combination of uh, companies or organizations individually owning them, or deciding in in uh, in in common to own them together, um, to to provide those needs. And it's very likely that we would not even have to directly fund some of those larger roadworks, pre- precise, and, and not just roads, but all of the infrastructure, power infrastructure, telecommunications infrastructure, all of that stuff, because they need that stuff in order to be able to make money off of us, right? So right off the bat, they would do that. And the beauty is by having this handled. Oh, and a third model could be uh, if you have a larger community, like a, a larger urban community where the the individual community model wouldn't work, mm-hmm. you could have privately owned roads where they would use either some kind of toll or membership system to fund it. Okay. Um, and, and the beauty of doing it that way is that instead of having an organization that by design is using other people's money that it takes from them against their will Mm -hmm. and does not have any kind of competition because it is a monopoly, which means there's no kind of feedback mechanism for accountability. They can spend whatever they want. They're actually incentivized to spend more so that they can push for more in their budget next time around. Instead, by having it privately or or voluntarily in common managed, now the, the stakeholders have a vested Interest in finding the most cost-effective and efficient way of doing it, which means not only is it going to cost less to do things like road maintenance, but there's going to be a push towards finding new and innovative ways to deliver roads and maintenance of those roads. So not only will it be less uh costly just to begin with, but the way that roads are done will be able to reach new and, and ever increasing innovations uh, that we may not even be able to imagine now, precisely because there's a vested interest in doing so
0: okay and then i guess you could kind of apply that same kind of mixed ownership and responsibility to most of the models you know like uh, commerce for example um that would still Mm kind of be like large businesses and stuff it'd be tricky to prevent the monopolies but that's that's something that could definitely be worked on through different communities and common places and stuff
1: So that was the next thing I was going to touch on because I figured that would dovetail into that. Mm. The next question many people have is without government, you know, how do we stop monopolization? Well, the Mm. answer is government creates monopolization. So the reality is... If you look at the, you know, we are told that the purpose of government is to use regulations to keep large corporations in check, to make sure that they don't, you know, run roughshod over us. But then we watch as the exact opposite happens. (laughs) Those regulations actually create a barrier to entry for smaller competitors who cannot afford the cost of compliance, thereby ensuring that only the large suppliers of that given thing that's being regulated are able to afford to do so. In fact, it's no wonder that. That the lobbyists who push for these regulations are usually directly funded by these large corporations. Of course, they want those regulations in place. Of course, you know, uh, uh, Amazon and Walmart and Costco want a minimum wage in place. They want to destroy the small mom and pop shops that can't afford that, right? And there's multiple other regulations that we could look at. So now what happens? Those regulations are in place. And when those companies violate them and we can use extreme examples, not just, you know, uh, some company trying to stiff someone on on their wage uh, or something like that. But like something like a company uh, doing irreparable uh, um, and irreplicable um, uh, (laughs) environmental damage uh, by dumping into a river or a stream or a lake or something like that. Well, Mm -hmm. what happens? The first thing that happens is the government usually tries to cover it up. Because usually it was done with a, you know, large corporations and governing entities holding hands doing it together. So first they try to cover it up. And if that doesn't work, if the public is able to expose it, then the next step is uh, they, uh, they um, you know, implement some kind of slap on the wrist fine for that company, you know trillions of dollars or billions of dollars in damage, and they get a you know, few million dollar fine, bear, doesn't even pay for it. Mm. Then they indemnify everyone involved against being able to be held directly liable and they create some kind of taxpayer funded trust fund to pay out settlements pennies on the dollar for the people who have been victimized and they make them pay for it because those people are taxpayers as well and the the justification for this model is well if we were to make them be directly liable it would end the company Good. so how do we so how yeah. do we change it they're the ones who did that how so do we set so it up the answer well, you set it up differently by not creating, so a monopolies are created by a monopoly. Government is a monopoly of force that is uh, enforced with violence and threats of violence and financed through theft and extortion. Mm-hmm. So the, right off the bat, that monopoly creates partner monopolies in the fascist system that we live under. That That's what fascism is, is the marriage of government, big government and big corporations. And that's what we have. So the, the answer to that is to simply not do that. So either, you know, you could either look at an anarchist model where there isn't a government or just have government not be involved in that stuff. Government is not in charge of money and currency. Government cannot simply take from you whenever it sees fit. Government does not have unlimited regulatory authority to make decisions on any single thing. Government's only purpose is to protect lives, rights, and property. And if you do that, then you end the lobbying problem because why would a company waste money lobbying government for a power it doesn't have when they can instead for, uh, focus that, um, that those resources and time on finding better and more innovative ways to serve you so you will voluntarily give them more money. But the other thing that happens is by not having all of those overly burdensome regulations that end up getting ignored by the big ones in place anyway, and by not having those in place, it allows for more smaller and more responsive and more responsible. Uh, smaller competitors to be able to compete in that space as well which not only allows for you to have more options to choose from but forces the larger competitors to competitors to stay responsive and to stay accountable for their actions.
2: Okay. Yeah, and is- and accountable because they're accountable directly to their customer base. Yeah, to the people, not to the governments. Yeah. Hey, they, not- they have
1: to be and then another aspect of that is, again, if if, if you still have government in a tort system, stop indemnifying. We need to end all immunity. We talk a lot about qualified immunity for police officers and the harm that does. And that's that's true. We should end qualified immunity. We also need to end prosecutorial and judicial immunity for judges and prosecutors. We need to end absolute immunity for politicians. We need to end sovereign immunity from governments. And we certainly, I don't think anyone here disagrees, that we need to end case-by-case um, lobbied immunity for large Multi-billion and multi-trillion-dollar corporations. If uh, if a company can be shown through negligence or malfeasance to have caused damage to another party or other parties, they need to be held responsible, just like any of us would be if we did it. Those 100%. things coupled together force these these uh, organizations to do better, not because they suddenly become angelic and and uh, un- you know uh, untouchable beings, but because they recognize that it's in their best interest to do so. Right now under the current system it's in their best interest to screw us over
0: this is something yeah. you're very passionate about and i'm glad i
2: asked <laughs> he started to sound like me and i wanted to say something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm Like you're one of my rants
0: yeah and this is yes. why i wanted to ask specifically your take on it your opinion and i i tried to ask some semi-loaded questions just to see what i'd get out of you but
2: i'm, no, I'm, I'm glad you did I like the I have, answers and again they're
0: super passionate. Sorry, continue. Go on.
2: Uh I, I have I have an odd question, Spike. So um mm-hmm. during the campaign with you and Dr. Jorgensen. Um yes. by the way, I was I was talking with who ended up being your like social media manager, I guess. Um very nice woman, uh that I actually befriended. Or she she at least like she was the one messaging on your Facebook. Um uh, yes 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 um so um there's a lot of people especially republicans that i know that truly believe and i want to think that this is not true um but that truly believe that the the sole purpose of a lot of the or at least jorgensen and and johnson um campaign was to usurp the try to usurp you know one side or the others um mm-hmm. hold they have on the vote and I, I know that i saw a lot of like uh, there was a lot of exit poll data that for for you, you know the libertarian party that actually showed that you know um that people were saying you know they just were so sick of the of the two major parties but right there there isn't any like funding or 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 influence that happens that you have seen at least within the l p that would like give any idea as to like that being the case like that somehow the the d n c and the g o p are like subverting democracy by.
1: By kind of like, oh, I see what you're propping saying.
2: Propping okay, up yes. and then and then sabotaging
1: the the yes. LP. It's- no. So I've never seen any evidence uh, either in uh, Mike in our campaign or in the party or in anyone else's campaign where you were the either of the major parties were trying to use uh, directly, um, you know, fund, uh, you know, surreptitiously fund uh, a candidate into hurting the other party. I will say there's there's one um, exception to that where there have been some candidates and this was not in any coordination, but there were some candidates for office who were libertarian. Who were doing so well that Republican and Democrat uh groups started creating these like dark money. Packs that would say, so like, you know, if, uh, if, if, you know, Bill Smith is running for Congress, suddenly you see these ads saying, Bill Smith is way more conservative than whoever the Republican candidate is. You should vote for Bill Smith if you want a smaller government that respects the Constitution, paid for by the people who want Bill Smith to be the Republican. And it turns out <laughs> that, like, you know, it's hard to track, but it's probably a Democrat group sending that up. And then suddenly there's another one going, if you want real social justice and you want bad, you know, please to be racist cops to be held accountable bill smith is your man why becky jackson or whoever the the democrat is but she's in bed with the police and you definitely don't support her if you want someone who's going to treat you with equity and equality then bill smith is your progressive choice paid for by the the people who want the democrats to lose like it's it's you know so i've seen that but that's Where the candidate is scratching their head going, who the hell are these people funding this stuff? So that's and that's an old that's a tale as old as time in in politics, but direct funding or collusion or anything like that. No, I've never seen that. And and like you mentioned, um, any exit polling that's ever been done shows that the vast majority of people who vote for libertarians wouldn't vote for anyone else. Like they only want to they're libertarians who vote if they do vote they vote libertarian and then you have uh, another group of people uh, who would vote you know some other third party because they just vote for whichever third party they think is most likely to do the best and they just want a third party to have a big you know as big a number as possible and then from the people that are left it's fairly evenly split between Democrats and Republicans and it depends on the candidate but it's usually fair you know maybe it's like 60 40 one way or another but it's usually fairly evenly split but that's a very small group the vast majority of people are either just voting third party or just voting libertarian they would not vote republican or democrat so if there is a tremendous amount of money being spent uh it's kind of wasted money unless that candidate becomes very popular and then that's when you see the the dark money packs which I always get a I always get a joke I'm like hey you're both a conservative and a liberal congratulations um <laughs> you mentioned um social media so I have to give a shout out to 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 the Eskimo libertarian. Um, she is also part of, uh, uh, not just our, our social media team, but, um, she's actually an indispensable part of the team. She helps a lot with, um, uh, vetting causes that have been brought to our attention, bringing causes to our attention, uh, helping me, uh, do research on things. Um, and, uh, she's incredible. She does incredible, incredible work. And so if there's any mention of my team, I would be remiss not to mention her as well.
2: Yeah, I, she's awesome. I like I've I've followed her for for years now and uh, watched her come up. And uh, yeah, I've I've always, you know, enjoyed content she's put out and, and things of that nature. Um, I believe oh, go ahead.
1: that she has what it takes. Don't tell her I said this, but I believe that she has what it takes uh, to be the first libertarian elected governor personally. That'd be awesome. Honestly.
2: Um, Cause she's one of the, she's one of the more, um, I would say like center of the line libertarians. Like you t- talked about like the radical and the, and the, uh, the pragmatists. Like I, like I, in my, in my view, she's more central within the party and has a good head on
1: her shoulders, to, you know, ideologically. So, so you know what, here's the crazy thing. We're both radicals, like hardcore radicals. We just know how to talk to people. And this is this is the hey, key clip, that, thing. clip that this is the key thing that prag- the more the more pragmatist minded people and the more radical minded people often don't realize there is no it's a false binary to choose between being relatable and. Being professional and being, um, you know, uh, uh, approachable and being bold and radical and presenting new disruptive ideas that make sense to people. Not only should you not have to choose between those two things. They work perfectly together. What is more relatable than going into a situation with a solution that no one else has presented and then demonstrating how it can work? What is more radical than actually implementing our ideas by meeting people where they are, empathizing with their concerns, and then showing them how our solutions will fix the problems or greatly ameliorate the problems that they're facing? Like, it is both pragmatic and radical. So, no, from an ideological standpoint, we're a couple of anarchists. We just we know how to present our message in a way that connects with someone at like a Rotary Club. You know, I I love that you bring that up because uh, I I used to work with Cop Block
2: uh, back. Okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. my my uh, I got really it was one one of those like addictive things uh, because my the (laughs) my the mother of my child had passed away. And like oh, no. I, when I you know came out of that psychosis that I had for like a year and a half, I fell in with uh, some you know libertarian and anarchist people. I got behind, um, the, um, oh my god, uh, what was his name? I can't think of it right now. Oh, John Gear in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, who was shot and killed um, by a cop. Uh, over a domestic dispute and was just in his doorways. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And Natasha McKenna at the same time. So I got involved mm-hmm. in that. I dove into that head first. Um, yeah. and I was one of those radicals where, you know, like when I went out cop block and I, I was f- like, when I first started, I was just confrontational and yeah. I, yeah. you know, and over the years I like to think that at least when I'm, in discussion with, you know, either law enforcement or people who support the government blindly that I have become a lot better about being more like you guys, you know, like able to have a yeah. discussion and try and even when they start going off the handle, try and bring it back to a civil discussion of ideology and yeah, you're, you're right. I, it, that's the only way that, that uh, the ideology is ever going to exist because the ideology is kind of based on you being a civil individual to begin with. So if you can't show that you can even have civil discourse with, it, with individuals, how is a entire society surrounding, you know, your ideology going to have Any chance. Exactly.
1: exactly, And let's follow that for a second. So you dealt with a horrific trauma and I, am so sorry that you, that you had to go through that. I, I I pray that her memory is a great blessing to you and, and everyone whose life she touched. And you took that trauma and you found something that you could dive into, you know, for lack of a better word, bury yourself. I think you actually said bury yourself in it. And because that was initially at least coming from a place of hurt and trying to cope with that. When someone would oppose what you were doing, it hits you a lot harder than it otherwise normally would have. And over time, as you've been able to put things in proper context, you've realized that the best way you can be effective is to is to be able to understand that not everyone's going to agree. Uh, we all have our own mindset. Most people are inherently, at least to some extent... For lack of a better word, good. They they want good things for themselves and others. And they 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 want a better uh, uh life than for, for themselves and others than we currently have. We just have sometimes wildly disagreeing ways of doing it. And here's the thing they also, all of us are coming from the various trauma and and experiences that we've brought up to that situation. So that person who you know, you're arguing with, or, or I was, cause I'll put myself in here cause I've argued with quite a few of the, of the copagandists out there. And, um, you know, that person I'm arguing with, they may have lost a loved one to violence and the police may have rallied around them and found their murderer and, and done everything they could to protect them, or they may have been a, a victim or attempted victim. Someone may have attempted to victimize them to kill them or rape them or rob from them or whatever. And the police saved them or or you know came in you know afterwards and, and punished the person you know or, or you know came in and arrested the person so they could be tried and punished. And so they may be speaking from a place of, of trauma. And so when they see an incident of, a, of an officer acting poorly, their first instinct is to say. Well, maybe you should leave that guy alone. He's got a really tough job. Or maybe they were a former officer. Maybe they have a loved one who's an officer. So we're all going into these things with our personal connection to it. And so I've learned not only is it, you know, you got to fake it till you make it. If you, if you can't empathize with people yet, at least pretend to, so you can have a meaningful conversation. But after a while you do start to realize, and, and this is probably where you are, um, each one of us comes to things with our own set of experiences, our own uh, social and influence networks that have helped us to form our opinions, the conditioning we received in our, in our formative years, uh, you know, all sorts of things that have led to um, you know where we think or where we stand on a certain situation. And the reality is almost all of us tie our beliefs to our self-worth. So when you tell someone something that disagrees with their self-worth... Even if you don't do so in an adversarial manner, they subconsciously, their lizard brain sees that as a de facto attack on their self-worth. They may not be consciously, you know... um believing this or anything like that, but that's how their brain is receiving it. And then especially if you, and then you might be receiving it when, what they say to you. And now you guys are, are basically attacking each other with your trauma and your, your, your feeling of threat to your self-worth. It becomes fight, flight, or freeze. And you two have chosen to fight and that's not helpful for anyone. It doesn't help anything. And, and so what I have found is that the more I can center a conversation or a message on the people i disagree with most when i do that and i can do so in, with a corrective tone and and you know saying where they're wrong but when i do it from the standpoint of this is what you're concerned about, and here's how we can fix it. And also, when I focus less on saying, here's why you're wrong, and instead saying, here's how I look at it, what do you think? Um, that's the secret sauce there. And even better than explaining it is actually doing it. And that's why I started You Are The Power. Instead of trying to explain to someone how a voluntary solution to homelessness or a charitable need or holding bad actors and government accountable, what that would look like, instead, if you actually do it, then not only are you showing that it works, but you're also encouraging them and empowering them to join you in doing it or to do it themselves. So instead of now having an argument, you're now having basically an instruction for people to go and do even greater things themselves. And that's where the real thing is. But it starts by recognizing each one of us is coming into things with our own personal perspective and with our self-worth being built Uh, around our our existing beliefs and when we approach people that way it's a it's a great way to bring down those cognitive defenses and uh, and be able to do something productive
0: you actually touched on something that i've I've mentioned before and i've always like to keep present in my mind but not a lot of people think of um the distinction between like you know like there isn't an actual lizard's brain inside of your skull right now but lizard (laughs) brain type functions monkey brain type functions you know there are different levels of cognitive function specifically on a subconscious Mm -hmm. level that are going to process things yep. differently, that are going to react to different things. You are going to, you'll move yourself in different ways, depending on which part of that brain is activated. And I'm, I'm glad to hear yes. you say that. Cause I say that a lot, yep. you know, I'll do something really foolish yep. and oh Well, that was a lizard brain
1: reaction and all that was monkey uh-huh. brain. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So- well, and here's the thing, the more a conversation becomes a collaboration a sharing of ideas with an, an eye towards perfecting our practice, the less it becomes more about a debate between here's why you're wrong and why I'm right, and more on, okay, here's your experience. You know, we, we agree on Largely on the end goal, and the end goal could be just something like people should be able to live better lives and 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 have less immediate concerns about their their well-being. Like it, it, very very vague stuff, right? Like we both want good things for people. Could be as 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 close as you can get in agreement at that moment. And you say, here's your experience on it. Here's what you think about that. And here are my thoughts about it. And here's what I'm doing, um, to be based on what, how I think works best. And, uh, you know, are you working on anything like this or would you like to work with me on this? I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. You know, maybe we can figure out, maybe I'm missing something and there's a better way to do this. When you do it that way, that person's mind, that the parts of their mind that you're hitting are creativity. Um, openness to new ideas, mm-hmm. uh, imagination, promotes- excitement about being exposed to things, about their horizons being open instead of it being closed and protecting their self worth.
0: Mm-hmm. It promotes a healthy discourse, actual discussion, yes. not just exactly, not yep. just picking on their ideas or anything, or making them feel like they need to be defensive. Being yep. you know completely open and like that, it's not. It's, it's a fantastic tool.
1: And It's I, I, absolutely 100%. It's great I, to
2: hear. I, and it's funny because, like, I'm oh, sorry, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I come into like those debates now with a very odd background, um, f- you know, family wise, um, you know, and things that have me. So, I, you know, my whole entire life, I was a until I was 12, I was a diehard patriot. I planned on joining the military as soon as I you know, hit seventeen with you know permission or eighteen, and and I was right, right. I, I was going to go fight the you know Afghani's or, and and all this stuff, and um, you know, and my parents weren't very political. My parents did a very good job, uh, you know, in in raising me and my sister, where they didn't like to push any ideology, religion, or or political. They would just teach us as much as they could. And let Mm. us decide, which was very rare for my generation because it was either you, you know, for most kids, I felt it was either you accept your parents ideology or, (laughs) you know, or you're in trouble and you're going to have problems with your parents. And it was always an open discussion within my family. And I'm so thankful that I grew up that way um, because I was never afraid to talk about things like that with my parents. Um, and then, you know, and then I got in trouble. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be absolutely clear about what happened real quick. Just short story of it. Um, I was mixing pool chemicals in bottles in my backyard and, th- you know, kind of like a Drano bomb, except it was gas and chlorine and I was throwing them off my back deck. Well, one was in a smaller bottle and blew up in my hand, uh, got hydrochloric acid in my eyes. I had, Neighbor Mm -hmm. called neighbor called uh, 911. They heard chlorine gas, not gas and chlorine. Uh, So I lived 10 minute walk from the edge of Quantico Marine Corps base. Oh, no. They called in Quantico bomb squad. They quarantined my neighborhood. Um, It was it it was a whole huge thing. But I was told and my parents were told that, you know, by the fire marshal, if I was open and honest, nothing would happen to me.
1: And a few days before the. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. They were. They told you to talk to the police. I'm I'm sorry. In Uh, advance. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and my parents had never been wronged by government entities. My parents, you know, believed that he was telling the truth. And so just, yep. I admitted everything to what I wasn't even certain was a law enforcement officer. <laughs> like It was just yep. a fire marshal. That wasn't law enforcement to me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, you know, red blooded American and just spilled everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, three days before the court date, I wasn't supposed to have, I get a subpoena in the mail and, uh, Cause he told us that it might go through this like deferral process and, and I just got to show up to court. And so like, that's what, that's what we thought it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, we go there and the judge is like, this is for a felony case. Where's your attorney? And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just this, you know, this whole big thing. And my parents were behind me for a long time, you know, like they, they knew that I was wronged, but it cost them so much money. I feel like that the, that the burden of that, that cost, of course really took a toll on them as far as their regards to me like they still loved me to death and but you know things just got very different (laughs) and then my dad became a cop and uh things got very different but you know i will say shout out to my dad if there's anybody that i would want to be a cop it would be my dad Because of, you know, how my mom and dad raised me, like, I know the kind of person my dad is, and it's kind of crazy because through my dad's career, because of my problems, he had more understanding with situations like coming across addicts. He, there was this one girl who, like, you know, he made sure that he got in touch with her family and got her help. I don't know if she, you know, uh, continued on in recovery, but... Maybe had I not gone through that situation, right. you know that wouldn't yeah. have happened, so it's kind of nice to think like my struggles helped him and you know and you know his his being in those positions kind of helped to give me a different perspective on my belief of like you know policing and things like that, and that there are right. you know, that there yeah. are good ones and yeah. I would say that even he especially knows that the problem is, you know, things like the unions <laughs> in qualified immunity. And,
1: right, right, right.
2: Um, I forget what started and, and me and, down this path, by the way. And, and, and so
1: just and, go with and, whatever you're saying. And, and over So here you were. You were what, 12 when this happened? Oh, yeah. Yep. Felony okay. manufacturing so explosives. At- Oh my Lord. So you're a kid doing a dumb thing that you probably imagine you didn't realize was even illegal, much less a felony, much less considered weapons creation or whatever. You were Absolutely. doing a dumb thing. You got hurt. The proper way to deal with that is to, you know, get you help, you know, go to the doctor or whatever, go to the hospital or what, you know, if that was necessary and say, Hey, uh, by the way, that's pretty dangerous. As you learned, don't ever do that again. Cause you could get in trouble, right? Like that's how you would yep. deal with a kid doing that. And uh, instead, what do they do? They, they criminalize you. They met a quota and they criminalize you and they, they, they maximized your punishment as a kid for doing a dumb thing. And it was probably because they had their superiors breathing down their neck saying, we need more collars. You know, we got all this money from Homeland Security. We need to show we stop terrorists from making bombs or whatever. And you were a perfect scapegoat for it. Right. And so, by the way, here's a lesson here for everyone. Do not ever answer questions to uh, anyone in a position of government during what could be considered an investigation, whether it's a cop, a fire marshal, or whatever else. You say, I would be happy to help in any way that I can. Here is my attorney's information. Or if you do not have an attorney's information, say, I would be happy to give any information I can. I would need to speak with an attorney present. I would only speak with an attorney present. Also, without, unless they have a warrant, do not ever allow them to search you, your property, your home, or anything else uh, unless of course they have a warrant, then you kind of have to, uh, but you, uh, but you do not uh, ever consent to a search without a warrant. Those two things alone will make it exponentially less likely that they can criminalize you because well over 90% of criminal cases involve in uh, rely entirely on testimony from the, um, from, from the, 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 suspect or, or the accused, um, or, Uh, And or uh, things that evidence that they got during a consented to search without a warrant. So and they cannot get that warrant unless they have reasonable suspicion, which is much harder to get if you shut up. So the again you were a 12 year old your parents didn't understand this you had no reason to understand this and your parents didn't realize because they had never been in the situation lesson learned for all, all people anyone listening to this never consent to a search without a warrant never speak without an attorney present be I you do not have to, but I recommend being polite the whole time. Don't, you know, there are many people, I will not talk to you. I'll say officer, I understand. Um, I'd be happy to work with you. Here is my attorney's information. I'd be happy to speak, uh, in any way that my attorney deems fit. So that's, that's how I deal with that. And of course my t- attorney does not deem it fit for me to speak with them said, that <laughs> but, um, but so that's the, a lesson there. And, um, and, and I, I will, I'll close on this cause I, I unfortunately do have to go, but, um, I, I will say that we all want y- your example of, of your dad, mm-hmm. um, all of us are basically we are operating from what we've experienced up until that point. So, if we want to make positive changes for ourselves and others and bring and get people to join us in doing so, we have to operate from that reality. So, if you're talking with someone else, how do you? become or help to become that thing that changes in their life or that factor that changes in their life that makes them want to join you in doing this? As opposed to just yelling at them and proving you're right and they're wrong and getting a million billion internet points, which mean nothing and are not redeemable in any country. Uh, Instead, (laughs) what if you are creating uh, a, a life experience or helping to create a life experience in someone by showing them a better way or by helping them to realize that they, what they suspected all along was in fact true. Um, that's what I do with you are the power. And uh, one more shameless plug, I invite anyone who wants to <laughs> join me in doing that to join at youarethepower.net. But if you don't want to join that, or if you uh, just want to do something in addition to that, any way that you are interacting with others, Do so in a way that when possible, because I mean, some people, you know, just some people it's just best to disconnect from, right? Like you don't have to try to change everyone. Like the, the, the urge to try to be a change for everyone, uh, you know, doesn't apply. It would work for everyone. But for someone who, who looks like they're at least the least bit agreeable to have a discussion with you or to work with you, if you can be that. That experience that they go back to. So hopefully for you know with your dad and that and the the lady who was dealing with addiction. Hopefully she did turn her life around, and but even if she didn't, maybe she can point to that whether she did or didn't, and say, "I remember that time where that officer could have given me a hard time, but instead he helped me get back to my parents, and maybe that changed her life in some way. Maybe maybe it just made her remember that there are people who care about her, even though she's in an addiction, and maybe that's the thing that she holds on to to stay alive. Maybe it's what allowed her to get help, or maybe it's just a nice thing she remembers. Who, who knows? But that was your father being an instance of something that can can be and, and probably was life-changing for her. We can be that for other people every single day. And the more that we do that, the more that we are able to help people now and to help create solutions that help even more people. And that's what I encourage you to do, whether you do it, whether you are the power, whether you do it with your own organization, whether you do it through some campaign for office, whether you do it through uh, charity work that you do in your community or working with other people for justice in your community, whatever it is that you do, do so with a mind towards helping to be a life changing person moment experience for someone that empowers them to do much better things as well.
2: Doug, oh, anything from you before he's got to go? Um no, actually if anything,
1: the only thing I will say
0: is I'll float the offer for you to come back at some point because there is more stuff I'd like to discuss with you if you ever open for
1: it. I'd love to. I would love to. I, I would love to do uh, that. You know wow. how to reach me and, and get that scheduled, I'd be happy to do it.
2: Yeah now we do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah. so all you do is just keep spam tech. It's spam, uh, uh, spam tagging me, and you Getting, getting on, yeah. all
2: the Kyles to at you in like everything for like a week and a half
1: straight. But thank you that for that. That was my Christmas favorite thing. You. That was my favorite thing was just going in the comments and going, So I have a website you can literally just fill out. <laughs> and you guys are like doubling down on just tagging me. Go on the show. It's like, no, okay, but there's a way to ask this. Like, I literally it have, is, yeah, there's a channel. For unapproachable. It. <laughs> like, there, it was just the it would be like if someone's standing out in front of a restaurant going, I want a pizza! And they're like, okay, would, would you like to come in and order? What kind of pizza would you like? Pizza now! Pizza! And, <laughs> like, and, sir, like, and we have a and, menu, and being you just can... so, like, why am I not getting a pizza? <laughs>
2: hey, real quick, uh, uh, El Camino Kyle says hi, and uh, just wanted to look you. Yes, El Camino you know, Kyle, who yeah, did I, come I did. out.
1: Yep. Yeah. through axes with you, right? Is El Camino, no, he shot uh, machine guns with Oh, me. okay, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, El Camino, Kyle, his uh, poor El Camino had to wait an extra twenty-four or twelve hours or whatever. Meanwhile, I think he also came out because it like the freaking blizzard happened. So I don't know how he's going to work on his El Camino out in a blizzard. But um, yeah, his El Camino had to wait a day while he came out and shot machine guns with me. You memed the Walks hell out away of him. from ATF headquarters. Yeah, because you <laughs> mean the hell out of him. You're like- <laughs> yes. So that was me doing to him what you. So you just returned the favor to me. I, appre- exactly. Listen, I appreciate a, hustle, a good hustle. I See that's what I said I was like dude we're just gonna Harass
2: him in a like <laughs> meme Campaign and shit and he's gonna fucking come on I'm like I, I, I'm pretty sure I know um, the dude well Enough at this point that he's gonna worked. appreciate it The fuck work. out of I'm not gonna lie it like It
0: did work I was really leery of it I did mention it I was like I don't know if this is the best Way like I'm sure there's somebody we can contact He's like no we're, we're committed like this is Happening <laughs> he's, he's gonna like It even this is gonna be I, funny
1: even, <laughs> even after I told You how you're like all right, well, we're already in for a penny, so like, we're just staying yeah, we're already in for a pound. Was, like, we're, just- it was, it was, we're already here, so we're just going to keep t- – like literally in reply to my comments <laughs> saying that was just a bunch of people saying, Spike Cohen, go on the show, and it was like <laughs> – <laughs> Sure, all right, great. No, that's, that's- – that's great. So yes, we'll so now you know to how to, to reach me message, properly. To
2: get the message to all the guys, There's so many fucking Kyle's, man. So like
1: <laughs> oh there are
0: so many. Like you think that yes. you've seen a number. No, there's there's too many. But yes, please. At any point, we'll we'll reach out, we'll try and find another time if there's at any point you're like, "Hey, I feel like doing something wacky." Go ahead and reach out to us if you feel like you've got the time or we're important enough. We're more than happy, man. Anytime. Absolutely. And, I look forward to it. I look yeah. forward to it. So do we. <laughs> we normally stick on Sunday or uh, on Saturdays there. Um Sunday, I mean, today works like any other time if you have like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or something, as long as you let us know or you reach out to say, hey, you know, this is coming up and you guys would probably have a kick with this. We're flexible as as can be when it comes to this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to important guests. Yeah, we just
2: have to Absolutely. apologize to his dad it. for today. <laughs>
0: oh yeah yeah, he's probably not gonna listen well i had a family dinner that i was supposed to be at today um but i ended up kind of putting it off because i mean i wanted to be here for this i mean like this is
1: listen on behalf of kyle
0: kyle's dad
1: (laughs) i am so sorry i know how how important family dinners are to your people the canadian people and (laughs) i i I'm, I will, uh, I will fall on the sword. It was my fault. Kyle was supposed to do this with me Saturday morning, leaving your family dinner perfectly intact. But me, destroyer of family values, (laughs) said, no, we can only do it Sunday afternoon. So if you have to be angry, which I understand that you must being your Canadian culture to be politely angry, then (laughs) direct your polite anger at me and I will tell you from the bottom of my heart that I am sorry
0: jeez okay
2: that's that's not what i was going hey, for but sweet hey, lord I'm thank you i'm gonna clip that and every kyle can use that as an excuse for like, for like anything ever missing work or some shit or school or like oh my
0: god uh, that's
1: great no that I was that very much like, sorry I even yes. said sorry in the correct,
0: like I didn't even Canadian. It didn't even sound weird. Like it, it fit perfectly. Yep. Yeah. No, that was bang. Right. right. Oh. Yes. That's how because that's how <laughs> yeah, you say yeah, it. Yeah. I watched
2: enough Degrassi. I'm uh, pretty sure I can get it. That's, oh, that was good. Yes, sorry.
0: No, yes. no. many. Many. Thank you. Honestly, like this, this has been a pleasure. If I could, I'd shake your hand, but it's a little tricky reaching through the monitor there. Absolutely. Absolutely. One day
2: neuralink all that. This. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get it. Yes. <laughs>
1: one, one day we will we will meld minds and enjoy this definitely.
2: (laughs) All right. Have a good one, Spike. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care.
0: Thank you for everybody listening. Make sure everybody has a good evening. (laughs)